0: Family, It is good to be back in front of the microphone for another episode of Taking Notes. It has been an eventful week. I hope you enjoyed twofer last week between the response to Black Men in America, the MSNBC special, and getting a chance to catch up with my dear friend, Dr. Rima. This week, only one podcast, but no less a goodie in that I have my grad school mentor, my Sherpa, just a wonderful human being, Megan Frankie will be our guest this week. And I wanted to have Megan on because this is the type time of year in my world where it's interesting because the students that I am working with, the young seventh graders, they have just passed their first semester. so they begin to become more like eighth graders and seventh graders and that they're starting to think about what's ahead. They have been in the midst of eighth and ninth graders on my campus. So they are starting to demonstrate more of those behaviors. And one of the things that they certainly think more about are their grades. They have gotten past the first semester. So for some, it is the awakening that you can get a C and it's not the end of the world, but they themselves and their parents also are thinking about what grades mean in terms of moving forward. And the other part of it, is that we are getting ready to welcome another class into my institution, and so it's an interesting intersection of current students who are worried about grades and placement and thinking about next year in terms of their schedule, and then incoming families beginning to ask, you know, the question. They will find out in a couple of weeks that all across LA, often all across the country. Early March means acceptance time one of the first things many families ask about when coming into a school is how can they get ahead, particularly in the area of math. Math is one of the ways that in most schools you can accelerate more quickly. Many curricula, whether state, excuse me, public or private, allow for students to accelerate in math. You can much more subjectively demonstrate skills and talent in math. Many gifted and talented programs are based in math. So who better to talk about what that looks like, what that should mean for families and to give them perspective, which I think is the biggest thing than my dear friend Megan Frankie, who has been not only a great teacher educator for many, many years at UCLA, but has also dedicated a lot of her research time to thinking about the ways in which we teach math and think about math particularly in the context of the other core subjects. So that conversation is coming up in a few. Let's take a quick break. Taking Notes with Dr. John Carroll is powered by Bixie Pots, makers of high-quality shea butter that keeps the body moisturized for the whole day. Visit bixiepots.com today. Just take notes. Just take notes. So before I get to Megan, I had some quick notes just from the school perspective in terms of students and families approaching math. Before we get to Megan, we'll zoom out and get more into the philosophical and kind of the ways that we think about doing math and how math is delivered in school. So three quick points. First one, it is very often that a student, again, will be able to demonstrate being ahead of the curve, being an outlier in math quicker than in other things. We tend in schools to reward outliers in math more than say in reading, because in reading, what does it necessarily mean that they can read more books? We don't necessarily construct curricula that allow for deeper synthesis because Students are at the age that they are when they start reading. In math, you can continue to, in many cases, move students through curricula that is already there for them. So for example, if they master geometry early, if they master their fractions early, you can send them on to the next concept and keep working. We don't reward that in the same ways in the language arts. But be careful because you do not want to pin identity to math achievement. Because much like if you have a a child who grows quickly and is ahead of the growth curve, at some point you regress to the mean. You start to slow down in terms of how far ahead of the mean you are. The same I have seen be true in math, particularly as the concepts get harder so to pin identity as in labeling a student as a mathematician that is what they are is dangerous because when it gets hard and you're not achieving that same success at the same rate it can really cause some struggle because now that identity that they've leaned on for so long is not quite as strong is not quite as distinguishing as it might have been so it is a dangerous thing to have students think that they will always be the math person or to really reify and and reward for math achievement only the final thing based on this is that i see many families who when they come into my school, certainly, and and other independent schools, think that because math is the quickest way to accelerate, they want to do everything they can to get into those accelerated tracks. Thinking that if they stay ahead and get on the most difficult math track, and yes, most schools still have ability grouping and tracking, then that is going to be a predictor that's going to make that student the more competitive candidate for college. And I'm telling you, From the professional standpoint, as the parent who is going through high school with a young person, um, you know, and the research that I've done reading these college books, that is not the case. Math alone is not the predictor of where your student will end up for college. It is not the the magic elixir that is going to send you into whatever top 10 to 15 to 20 school it is that you have your eyes set on. So, it is a much more healthy approach if you find the right place for your student in math, encourage them to enjoy math, find the ways for them to be supported so they believe that they can do math, and then let the process be what the process is going to be. Because I can attest, again, professionally and personally, that when students maintain confidence, develop and maintain confidence in their math abilities, it is much more healthy for that outlook as a student in general, which therefore tends to generate the outcomes that families want to see when it comes to college readiness and college matriculation. So just some notes I wanted to throw out there because I see Parents express a lot of angst and frustration when math is not going right and exerting a lot of pressure on students to be outstanding in math when in reality the goal is that you just want them to be good as students, to develop well as students. So let's take another break quickly and then we'll get into it. With Dr. Megan Frankie on the other side of this break. Office hours are brought to you by the Honeybody Collection for quality personal moisturizing products from body wash to beard oil. Visit the thehoneybodycollection.com today. Just take notes. Just take notes. Just take notes. All right, so. As I continue to, to to dig into my UCLA contacts to talk to the awesome people that helped make me the person I am, I have struck gold in catching up with my mentor, my, my, my Sherpa through grad school, the reason I get to call myself Dr. The Great and Magnificent Megan Frankie, who is many, many things at UCLA it will take too much time to you know, describe and recount all the hats that she wears. So I'll just say thank you for coming on, Megan. I'm so happy to see you. And how are you?
1: I am good. And uh, I am happy to get to see you today. To get to talk to you today. I miss getting to hang out with you. So thanks for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. And one of the the cool things about a podcast and starting one is that you do get to check in with folks who, you know, time and space may have allowed, you know, some slippage cuz we we certainly in my grad school days saw each other on the daily and, awesome. and full disclosure not only did you you know I you helped me through grad school but I coached your lovely daughter in swimming so we we were doubly connected for a, a good amount daughter, of time
1: you helped my daughter navigate adolescence so that's a way big awesome thing
0: as a swimmer fair, so. fair enough and and the great tessa frankie you know makes me proud every day as I see her in the professional world. But the the main reason, you know, among many, just besides catching up with you that I wanted to talk to you is that in these crazy times um, where there's a tug of war, it seems between parents and school admin, whether public or private and what parents should know, should not know the rights they do or don't have. You know, I wanted to talk to you because you've been at the forefront of one of the fields where I feel there's the greatest battleground and that's math. Um, Mm -hmm. So offline, we were just talking about an article out about parents winning the war on algebra. And so I will start there with the question, how do you see and describe to people how math and how we teach it has changed, I would say probably in the last decade. And then we can even just go from COVID.
1: So I think that Probably math and how we teach it, I would argue, hasn't changed enough
0: in Mm -hmm.
1: the period since COVID or pre-COVID that we tend to talk about changing math instruction, but a lot of the practices of math instruction seem to remain the same. There have been some changes since what's called the Common Core um, standards and, uh, California and many other States have adopted those standards and those standards are asking schools and districts and teachers to think about what does it mean for young people to understand mathematics in ways that they can leverage it and use it to solve world's big problems. And, um, I think that, that that's a big, Question that we're trying to move towards answering, right? It's how do we create schools that are places where every single young person, not just the ones who see themselves as math people, but every single young person has a chance to develop those ideas for themselves. Because we know from a lot of research that every single young person comes to school with mathematical knowledge, with interests and ideas that they want to explore, And we've had a really hard time figuring out how to develop that for every single student in school mathematics.
0: Yeah, and so one of the things that I think comes out of that is that parents tend to believe or look for in their children that spark of math and Mm -hmm. where it lies um, probably earlier than even other subjects because savvy parents know that One of the quickest ways to accelerate your child in school is through mathematics. So I'm sure there are people who come to you knowing how your research and say, you know, what do you think about my child? How do I know? What is the type of counsel you give them in terms of, you know, what that acceleration even means for a child?
1: I think that I believe, and I think research supports my belief. That um, the most important thing for young people in school is to see themselves as doers of math, as people who can do it. So if you're going to accelerate as a way to have them succeed, but then they start not seeing themselves as math people, then you're going to run into challenges in the long run, right? So. Um, I used to have parents come to me whose daughters got to high school and they had taken um, algebra and geometry in middle school and they got to high school and they're like, I don't want to take math anymore. Like I, I took my algebra two trig. I- I'll even take a little bit of calculus if I have to, but I don't want to take any more math. But when you're in high school, you have, to, you need to take more than two years of math to graduate and to go, go to college. Right. And so then the question is, have we driven the love of math out of them so that they could get ahead? Um, Do they not see themselves as math people anymore? And I do understand the parent's point of view here. I understand that we all want our children to succeed. We want them to do well. We want them to get into the colleges of their choice or to take the career trajectory that they want. Um, So I, I understand the. Tension for parents here, but I also know that we need to find ways to help young people uh, see themselves as math people and explore math in really interesting and different ways so that they love it, they understand it, they want to do more of it.
0: And so, quickly, I'm going to go to the teacher part of this in terms of the training, because that's something you have you know been at the forefront of certainly at UCLA and and continue to be what is the message to teachers as they think about how they facilitate curriculum right because i think you know in the best math math centers environments as you just mentioned it is not just about the teacher telling students what to do how do how do we help scale up you know um stimulating teacher environments you know, in our training of teachers.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a big question.
0: The, well, that's what we do here, Megan.
1: I think the, that- You taught what I would, me this,
0: by the way. This is, you taught me to ask such questions.
1: Ask questions. Um, I would say, John, that, that this goes back, so I'm gonna take it back to a big, big idea. And this goes back to um, a point that, that you had made about um, your school and the goal of your school is to prepare people to be citizens right, and to participate in democracy. And we think when we think about what does it mean to be a citizen and participate in democracy, one big part of that for me is being able to explain your ideas, to engage with the ideas of others, to hear what people have to say, to reason about that, to think about how you might add to their idea, ask questions about their idea. A big part of that is learned within mathematics, right? And what we're trying to do in math classrooms is create opportunities for students to be the people who put their ideas on the table, to recognize that other people may think about the mathematics and how to solve that problem different than they do. doesn't mean there's is better or worse. It means that we have different ideas and we can benefit from engaging with each other's ideas. We can develop more mathematics that way. And that an idea doesn't have to be, quote, finished and perfect for me to learn from it. So you might have this really beautiful way of thinking about the number system. And when you count, you say, ooh, 20, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. And I'm like, okay, wait, it doesn't go that way. That's not right. But your idea about how the number system works is brilliant. And so what we're trying to ask teachers to do is to recognize in the ideas that young people have the mathematical brilliance, the smart things that young people do. And rather than seeing only what's wrong, is to see what's what's correct and interesting about their ideas and to help students begin to do that with each other, is to hear each other, to be able to develop their ideas together, to be able to build on their ideas in ways that are going to help them not only reason and think deeply about mathematical ideas, Be able to engage and learn from each other in ways that are going to be very important for democracy and citizenry and challenging and um you know understanding what's truthful and what's factual out in our big world.
0: The thing that I wanted to come back around to, and and that helps a little bit. And I hope you know, school leaders take these things into account as you're thinking about um math classrooms. But the thing that I wanted to come back around to is the idea of how math factors into school programming. And okay. so oftentimes I hear conversations, I'm not a math person per se, but I hear conversations about mathematics where it is treated singularly, mm-hmm. right? And so I wanted to come back around to, as you were talking, cause you, you talk about math in this much more human and holistic way. What kinds of ways do you envision or see, or have you tried, where math gets more infused kind of interdisciplinary um, interdisciplinarily, if that's a word into curriculum, as opposed to just kind of standing alone by itself.
1: You know, the math standalone is a function of how schools work, right? Mm -hmm. It's much easier in a school setting to teach math as a standalone topic. And probably arguably uh, you can make sure math gets taught by having it be standalone. Right. The challenges you say about that is that what it doesn't allow students to do is to draw on all of the resources, right? To draw on their ability to read and sense make their science resources, their right, what they've been learning about history to help them solve real life problems, right? Like I've got to buy gasoline. <laughs> And I need to get this far in this many days. And guess what? Gas in my neighborhood costs this much, and gas, you know, three miles away costs this much. And what would it mean for me to get gas at one of those places? Um, but or even bigger world problems than buying gas. Um, but I think that that um, what we're learning from research is that um, young people want to solve big real world problems. They care about climate. They care about what's going on in our environment. They care about the fact that there's inequality. They care about the fact that parks in one neighborhood don't look like parks in another neighborhood. They want to know why. And it turns out that when you take on those problems, young people are not only tend to be really engaged and want to want to do something that matters, But they draw on a wider range of math resources to do the work. It doesn't fit school, though. So for teachers, doing that kind of big, big project work takes extraordinary effort because they're asked to teach in a 50 minute period or an hour and a half period. They're asked to um, do certain math assessments and they're asked to have those done in a particular way every week. In some cases, you have to be on a particular page of the textbook on a particular day, right? So there are lots of constraints that make it really hard for teachers to step back and say, huh, what if we did, you know, what are we studying in science and how might we take that on? And there have been lots of curriculum projects, lots of research projects that have taken this on to try and make this be a reality for young people. I think probably private schools like yours have a little more space to figure that out, but there's so much pressure for young right. people to do what they need to do in school, to pass the test, to do well on the SAT, to get into college, that everybody feels pressured to keep things the same. And it's risky to step outside of that sameness and try something bold, and um, something that's probably going to meet the needs of those young people who aren't good memorizers, who aren't really good at moving fast through school, who want to think really hard and push those students who are good memorizers to think a little bit more. And so I think that there's benefit for all students to do that kind of math work together. And, to, and I think there's benefits for society. Like we got to take on these problems. I think that that um, who's gonna solve these, is not gonna be me. Like it's gonna be our 18 year olds right now who are pushing the agenda about climate change, about gender issues, about pretty much about race, right? Uh So we need to create that space so that young people can take it on. I understand that it's risky. I understand that parents genuinely want the best for their young people. And that means keeping things the same, but we have to think about we're helping by keeping things this
0: is love it last question i have for you and genuine curiosity aside from all the research and all the things what still keeps you energized and excited about education at this point
1: young people mm. young people i mean honest to goodness they're amazing like If you want to have a really good day, go sit with a five-year-old and ask them about the world. If you are frustrated and overwhelmed with the world, go sit with a seventh grader and ask them what they want to design, like what their passion is, what they want to do. Um, I think that um, I'd even say go talk to a high schooler. The challenge with high schoolers is we've sort of schooled it out of them. Um, And so it's harder to get them to tell you that unless you've spent a little bit of time with them. But young people are phenomenal. And even with school structures the way they are, that are not very inviting for so many young people, even under those conditions, young people are amazing. (laughs) And uh, they have such potential. And if we would just open up a little space for them, they're going to take it and run with it. And we keep thinking they can't do it so it's too hard and you know they're too quiet or they're not don't work hard enough or they don't this well that's because of how we've developed schools that's not because young people are problematic and so if we give them a little bit of space they're they're just awesome
0: yeah i can i hope people can see now why we uh were needed for each other in grad school certainly i needed you because yeah that is the same thing i tell people you can not have a bad day when you're around young people even in the moments when you have to hold them accountable yes they still their energy still gives you life um and they are they are a sight to behold as you watch them grow and become you know what they're supposed to be so i love that answer it is so good to see you hopefully we can do this again soon because i you know the issues around education and specifically math and teacher prep—they're not going anywhere. They're not so going anywhere. I feel good knowing, and the UC system is is lucky to have you. Uh, we're happy, lucky to have people like you doing this work, still energized about this work. So, Thanks,
1: I man. appreciate
0: that. I'm able to bring, say, some of your wisdom to to this platform and more to the world. So, love to the family, all yeah, of you- them. You know, we have to do dinner sometime. We'll figure it out. That's it with my friend Megan Frankie. I hope you can see why I was so excited to talk to her. She is the type of academic who continues to give me hope about what education can continue to grow to be in this world as we move forward. She thinks about math in a way that makes it more holistic and connects it to all of the other subjects that are important for students to learn. So that's it for me this week. I look forward to getting back with you next week for another episode of Taking Notes. Have a good one. The views expressed by John Carroll and his guest in the preceding podcast are solely that of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers, companies, or other associated parties.